Broadcasting from the News Radio 102.9 KARN Radio Center and Studio 1B, it is Gluttony Unplugged with Scott Romine. Hey, Scott here. Hope your Saturday is going awesome. So excited to talk to our guest today. He is an Arkansan, Jerry Fitzpatrick, and he has a book called Tales from the Trails of a Rock and Roll Bus Driver. He has done it all. How are you, Jerry? Hey, I'm fine. Hello, Arkansas. How are you doing? Where did you grow up around here? Uh, well, I I, uh, I was uh, born there, and uh, when I was a little little baby, we lived over by Barton Coliseum, and then uh, we moved out to, uh, as I grew, out towards uh, West Little Rock in the uh, Boyle Park area, oh, yeah. uh, on Barra Road area. So I uh, kind of uh, grew up there and then uh, lived out in southwest Little Rock for years and then eventually moved out to Benton. Was Barton Coliseum your first exposure to music? Yeah. Uh, as a matter of fact, probably, uh, I, I don't know, it was my first exposure to big shows anyway. I had been to a couple of uh, small events there and that had kind of gotten my attention, you know, and when you're 11, 12 years old, so on and so forth, you're... Um, you know, in that age group, you're kind of looking starstruck, I guess, or whatever. So, uh, I had actually, uh, uh, one of the, the first concert I ever went to was a local band there called the St. James group. And that was, uh, that was many years ago that that band had formed and, uh, they put out some albums and they had a regional, uh, uh, recognition and, uh, then uh, from there, I started seeing the bigger shows over at the Coliseum. Oh, yeah. Oh, now, are you a musician yourself? Well, I did play uh, drums for a while and uh, played in a couple of bands there in, in the Little Rock area. I used to, uh, used to be in a band uh, that we played in some bars around town. Uh, the band was called Lightfoot. And uh, we, uh, you know, I played drums and uh, some other guys in the band. We had, we had some real good time, but it was right about that time uh, as I was playing in the band that uh, I stumbled across uh, the beginnings of this career. And uh, ah. a gentleman there in Little Rock owns a staging company that uh, eventually grew to about the third largest in the world. It was a very big staging company. And uh, I uh, got some part-time work with him, that band. And uh, so I had uh, interrupted my band time. And so they, I had another guy come and play drums in my place when I traveled out of town. And eventually the guys in the band came and said, you know, are you going to be a roadie or are you going to be our drummer? You know, <laughs> I, you know, I was cash. I was going out on the road for, you know, for a week or something. And then that was in the, uh, you know, that was in the early eighties and then to come back home with, you know, with a grand or better in my pocket. And that was big money to a young kid in those days. And, you know, when they asked, when the band asked me, are you going to be our drummer or a roadie? I said, I'm going to be a roadie, buddy. See you later. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. Have money. Uh, and, uh, you know, the money was, uh, was there. So, uh, and that's pretty much, uh, was the end of my uh, band career. I, I still play. I have a, uh, I have guitars and I have, I had a large set of drums before I moved, um, out of Saline County. And, uh, I'm sure I drove my neighbors crazy out there. So you haven't had to fill in for anybody on the road at the last second. Hey, go get Jerry. He'll play for us. You know, 
<laughs> no, I, I wish, <laughs> be, but uh, no, I've never gotten to be on the on the big stage like that. No, we're talking with Jerry Fitzpatrick. He is from Arkansas, and he's been a bus driver to lots of rock and roll stars. I got to ask you, driving this bus, but what did you learn to drive on? Well, uh, you know, I started with a car, of course. Uh, my father taught me how to the basics of driving, and and uh, my dad was a good driver. We made lots of trips. Uh, he was a military man, and uh, he would drive to our. He was stationed in various parts of the country. Would drive and pick my brother and I up and take us. So uh, my dad started me on the car driving, and then uh, uh, there in Little Rock, I. I think uh, my first real truck driving job was with a company called Country Pride out on Roosevelt there. And I was a delivery driver for them, driving a midsize truck, uh, learning to shift gears. And then I moved mm-hmm. into the semi trucks um, and then eventually into, uh, worked my way into the buses. Now, these buses, I, I, you know, I was a police officer for a long time and I've been around these buses quite a bit. Don't know much about them. I've always wondered, do you need a CDL to drive one of these? Well, you do today okay. uh, in, in, uh, with the under the rules. Now, uh, back when I started, you did not have to have a CDL. There weren't even CDL laws in place uh, when I started my career. And um, I actually, uh, in my truck driving career, I, uh, there, is a, there are several production companies there in town. And MP Productions, I had, uh, had uh, formed uh, and worked a lot with the staging company. And so I ended up working with them and then driving some of their trucks, hauling the gear, and then also working as a, helping them to stack the speakers or hang the, the lights or whatever had to be done. You know, we're a uh, little s- small production company, but tight and everyone did whatever they could to, you know, to get the job done. Are they an automatic transmission? Uh, the buses are now. Now, uh, originally, when I first started driving them, they were uh, four speeds and then five speeds, and then then the automatic transmission came in. So, you have to learn to operate a clutch and shift the gears when you're carrying passengers. Uh, you, you've got to be very careful on on how you do that, and that's how you learn. Um, that's how you learn to be a smooth driver, which is one of the most important things. You, you have a CB. I got to ask you about that, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, you know, we, uh, most bus drivers, most of the entertainment coaches have CBs in them. Uh, we don't necessarily operate on channel 19, which is the main uh, yes. t- uh, channel that the uh, truck drivers operate on. Uh, but uh, we may, uh, we switch to most entertainment drivers, uh, truckers and bus drivers. We operate on, uh, different channels, frequencies, uh, so that we can communicate with each other. I, I've always wondered, Jerry, like, you know, I know these celebrities have these buses and they do the tours and what, and it's just really neat stuff, but what brand is the buses and are there different manufacturers of these things? Uh, yes, there, uh, there are different manufacturers. Um, Today's uh, the premier coach in the in the entertainment coach business today is Prevo, um, and they're a Canadian uh, manufacturer that's actually owned by Volvo now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in the uh, day that I started, uh, the main coach back in those days was an Eagle, uh, and uh, those they were very smooth riding buses, heavy. Um, and they were the mainstay of the business. And then Prevo came along at the, around the same time that the Eagle factory went out of business. 
and uh, started uh, taking, moving in, making inroads into the business. And Prevo was very good to send a lot of their representatives down to the uh, mainly Nashville, but Florida and Texas as well, where some of the other companies are located and worked with those companies. Um, You know, it's not just the entertainer model and there is an entertainer model from Prevo is not is not quite like the charter bus that you would see uh, perhaps Little Rock, what Little Rock Tours are operating. I guess it's more like a camper inside of it. Uh, originally, uh, they were uh, camper-like. Uh, mm-hmm. And and yes, uh, that I would say you can definitely go camping in them. Yeah, <laughs> but, I guess you uh, could, yeah. Uh, it, it depends on what the coach is being used for and how it's originally spec'd out. The, they're... Um, most of the coaches these days that are running uh, the crews and the bands, they don't have stoves in them. They have refrigerators and microwaves, but ah. no stove tops or anything like that. Um, and so the machine's being used differently, but you could, you know, you could certainly uh, revamp one a little bit and uh, use it for any kind of camping you, you want. One of the things I think I've discovered uh, when I've had a moment to uh, have time in the bus myself and perhaps used it with my family or something that, uh, you know, outside of the realms of what we're using them for, you, they're such large vehicles. You really, you really can't take them down to Lake Washita to the campground right. or something like that. Yeah, so, I uh, got gotcha. you. Hey, Scott here. We're talking with Jerry Fitzpatrick. He is a bus driver to a lot of rock and roll bands over the years. Uh, everybody from the Grateful Dead to Errol Smith and Eddie Murphy. He has done it all. Are these buses diesels? Oh, yes. Uh, uh, they've got, uh, you know, the original uh, Eagles had D- V8 Detroits in them. And then uh, inline six Detroit Series 60s came onto the market. And, uh, you know, a lot of government regulations have come in play with uh uh, the environmental issues and so sure. on and so forth. So now there are uh, eventually uh, Detroit has gotten out of the uh, motor of the motor car business and um, mainly put their engines in off-road stuff. So Volvo now has a diesel engine and it's a very dependable, powerful engine and it's quieter than any engine I've ever operated. And uh, the one uh, I operate today has a 500 horsepower engine in it. Oh, wow. Yeah, that'll get you down the road. Mm-hmm. Would we be surprised to know what one of these buses cost? Well, you might be. <laughs> really? <laughs> uh, or, or you might not be. I, 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 I do uh, get a lot of questions from folks with campers. You know, they, oh, that one must be a couple hundred thousand. But, yeah. Uh, I just uh, I just built a new bus last year uh, for an individual, and uh, we put one point six million dollars into it. Oh so, wow! You must uh, have the gold no, toilets. Yeah, uh, no, <laughs> you know it, there, it's just the way our economy has evolved, yeah, and everything right. is so expensive these days. Yeah. And, um, you know the technology in t- in a modern bus is over the top compared to where, what they were, you know, 30 years ago when I uh, started driving. So, um, I mean, they're, they are expensive, but they, they do, uh, a Prevo will do what you want it to do. Uh, So that's the best, uh, best thing I could give it, I guess. They gotta be living in it for that kind of money. 
you know? Sure, sure. Hey, uh, Jerry, is it more economical to tour with a bus than to just fly to all these gigs? Or is bus touring kind of maybe a tradition that rock and roll people have just kept up? Well, I think it, in a bit it is a tradition that that uh, is going to play around for another 20 years or so before it fa- uh, falters out. But, um, um, yeah, um, when you go on tour, <clears throat> and if you're going to take 50 people with you, for instance, mm-hmm. um, there's no way you can fly them, transfer them from airport to hotels to venues back to hotels, back to airports, be and be on time for your next uh, deal, plus the cost of all of that. Whereas if a band is traveling, if they're in Little Rock tonight and their next show tomorrow is in Dallas, when they're done, the band and the crew guys, they can get on their buses, drive through the night, get their rest, be at a home, basically, uh, be in maybe even a more comfortable place than a hotel. And uh, have all your amenities there in a, in the coaches or, or satellite televisions with 250 channels and and all the you know everything electronic that you could want your uh, big refrigerator so you have food you have a bed uh, yeah do your job when you get off work you get in the bus you drive to Dallas you sleep the whole way you get up the next morning and stretch and go in the building do your job so you can't do that with a no. uh, you can't do it in that kind of precision and and financially it's not uh, you know it's not worthy to do it the other way so is the whole band kind of staying there or or you typically run into hey the main star the lead singers in the bus and everybody else has another bus or how does you that know, go that, that varies on the size of the band and what their budgets and what kind of budgets they're working under. Uh, I'm about to go at the end of the, uh, January here. I'm going to go out and pick up an English band uh, with a fr- uh, some friends uh, and do a quick 30-day tour. There's going to be a bus for the uh, star, the lead singer. Then there'll be a bus for the band, and then there's a bus for the crew. So a lot of folks, uh, you know, when when a band's young and they're coming through uh and everyone is piled onto one bus the the band and the crew and uh they come into little rock uh, and play the rev room and you know they come down there they're pulling the trailer behind them you know their budget is a lot different than what you're going to have when a band pulls into uh gosh i don't even remember the name of the arena there i know they changed something when they pull into the arena i think it's the uh, simmons bank now yeah yeah simmons bank arena uh so when the when a you know when a big show comes in there and rolls in with a dozen buses uh you know 10 of them are full of crew and and uh, they've got another three or four or five buses with band members and and uh, management on board uh, of course, that kind of group is working under a different budget than, you know, what you what you got going on over there with the group at the river. Uh, let me ask you about this, Jerry. Was there a time when these artists finally figured out, hey, it's really not worth the trouble to have my name airbrushed real big down the side of this thing? I would think that would cause every time you're gassing up, you got people knocking on the door. And isn't it just better to do this incognito now? Well, there are a lot of folks that want to travel that way. You know, they go to work and when they're off work, they want to be off work. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Um, you know, uh, that question really comes down to the management company and uh, where the band is at in their in their uh, 
try and and the goals they're trying to reach. Okay. Uh, you know, I see a lot of a lot of bands out of Nashville and and uh, some of the big cities. You know, they put themselves all over the side of the bus, and that's just name recognition. Of course, is is the goal there, and there's nothing like a million dollar bus at using a million dollar bus as a billboard because everyone's looking at it. That's true. And so, uh, but then, uh, once, once said band reaches a certain level, you know, they're, you know, we don't have to do that kind of promoting anymore. So maybe we can move into a little more privacy and not identify ourselves as much. Yeah. How have you found your, your way moving from, you know, working from artist to artist? Is it just because you, maybe you work with the same bus company or, word of mouth so-and-so really likes you and they tell somebody else or how, how does that work for you? It's, it's a combination of both. Um, very few, uh, entertainers own their buses. These are all, yeah. Okay. These are all lease coaches. Uh, there's no point if you're a, you know, if you you have a hit song and you're number one on the charts today, next year, someone else is probably going to take your place and you still got a bus payment. So let's not go there. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> Exactly. Uh, so uh, leasing uh, of coaches. Now, there, don't get me wrong. There are a few entertainers that actually own their own. And uh, I do manage one for an entertainer, uh, but I also do other tours as well. And it's the lease companies that have uh, fleets of 40, 50, 60 of these coaches that uh, uh, sometimes they give me a call. Uh, this tour I'm going on at the end of the month, for instance, uh, is uh, with a tour manager that, uh, that I have known since the early 80s. And uh, whenever he brings a group to America from Europe, he, he always checks with me first to find buses. So uh, luckily for me, my, this year, my schedule is such that I can jump on and, and do a run with him. Uh, but, uh, generally either, uh, either it's word of mouth from tour managers. Hey, so-and-so does a good job, did a good job with my artist. He could do a good job with yours or the bus company themselves. And once you go out with a bus company and when you come back in and return their bus, you know, you're going to get a report. And if mm -hmm. you do a good job, then they're certainly, they're going to call, they're going to want you, uh, with the driver shortages these days, uh, in the, in all driving fields, um, you know, the companies are all the companies are desperate for drivers. So the guys that have been doing it for years and I, I've been at it. Uh, oh, gosh, I've uh, almost 40 years, 36 wow. years. I've been I've been behind the wheel of, of uh, trucks and buses. So uh, I'm getting close to retirement here. <laughs> <laughs> well, they can't do it without you. You know, <laughs> oh, yes, they can. Don't, let, don't think that way. <laughs> uh, safety is the biggest issue, you know, and, want you. And, yeah. and comfort. And uh, luckily for me, I've been, you know, I've operated these coaches through the years with no, uh, with no trouble, you know, with no accidents, no, uh, no one ever injured in my, in my care and those kind of things. And so uh, that adds up. Sure. You know, and, and your name goes around and people start recognizing you and, and they're, uh, through the years, there was a group of guys that I, when I joined the ranks that uh, were here that slowly have been retiring and new guys are coming along. And, uh, you know, it's just like an airplane pilot. You want the new guy or you want the old guy? That's exactly <laughs> right. How well, often? Don't forget, don't forget about Barney now. I did, I did the Barney tour some years ago. You did? Well, that's the <laughs> biggest one. You just sold a bunch more books after uh, mentioning Barney. <laughs> hey, uh, how often do you make a trek without an artist at all, where they just want the bus there when they get there? Uh, that's pretty rare. Uh, 
you know, uh, someone maybe in the really upper echelons that might, uh, might need a bus. Um, I know of Paul McCartney, uh, did some, uh, tour did something similar to that there was always a bus there for him, uh, but he didn't, uh, I don't think he used it much. I gotcha. Uh, but, um, no, they're, it's, they're not cheap. So if you're going to rent one, you probably, you probably want to use it. <laughs> hey, you know, Jerry, uh, my, hero elvis presley famously drove his own bus a lot between memphis and uh los angeles how often does one of these guys say hey jerry let me drive for a little while uh that's never uh, that's been a never for me uh, one guy uh honestly there's one uh a couple of guys that i know of that have driven their coaches uh leon russell who i think just passed away recently uh he drove his his own bus for years and uh, but you know when an entertainer walks off the bus, they go to work in a different field. And, uh, and a lot of, especially in the big arenas, these guys are pouring themselves out to an audience and wearing themselves out. So when they get back on the bus, they're not interested in driving. <laughs> I understand that. There's a lot of footage of Elvis driving his bus. And of course, you know, that's kind of more of a vacation trip. You know, you're not on the mm-hmm. way to the next gig and in, in that capacity, I wouldn't think. Sure. uh, You know, is it a fairly difficult thing to drive? Well, you know, I don't think it is. I mean, because I've done it for, for, I've, you know, I've been in behind the wheel of large vehicles and and that sort of thing. But, you know, you certainly have to be cautious and uh, and turning and and those kind of things. But for me, I don't think it's that difficult. Uh, I have seen others struggle at it, Mm -hmm. but uh, (laughs) you, uh, uh, but personally, I, I, it's, is I'd rather drive the bus than, a, than my car. You've seen the evolution of backup cameras. I'm sure. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. You know, I think- uh, when we started back in the day, the old Eagle, uh, buses, they, they had solid mirrors on the side that were maybe, uh, six inches tall and six inches wide. And, uh, they, they were uh, mounted to the coach and they didn't move. And now today's coaches have cameras all around them. They have moving mirrors, you know, those, all these things uh, make it a lot easier for a guy. So Jerry, is there some kind of uh, like a spoken or an unspoken rule about what is seen on the bus uh, you didn't see or what happens on the bus stays on the bus? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, we, you know, we, it, as I said earlier, it, it's your home and, uh, you know, all that activity is going on outside uh, and around the bus and inside the buildings and wherever it is you stop. But uh, a lot of folks like to keep their home inside homes private. I, You know, I think you could understand that. Yeah. You know, I would have to wonder, you know, if I hate your job, just with my experience as a police officer, you know, if if you guys got stopped, if there's something illegal on there or whatever, I mean, you could potentially face consequences of that i mean you're in charge of the vehicle yes uh you know that's a possibility but generally uh, i don't i can say i don't know of any drivers who have uh been faulted for or, or charged or anything like that for what their passengers were doing they may grab you up in the initial uh you know roundup but uh once they realize you know i mean unless you are participating or something True. don't get me wrong yeah you know. that's right yeah uh, but, uh, I, I don't know of any, uh, any drivers that have ever caught, uh, caught charges that were innocently driving. I I'll say you. that much. Yeah. Uh, you, you get pulled over and, uh, 
Uh, well, the best part of that is don't get pulled over. And, and that happens by driving safely, operating under the rules of the road and uh, giving, you know, and be, you don't want to be out jerking, right? Racing through traffic when people are trying no. to sleep. Yeah, and, and uh, you know, if guys go, these guys get out of the buses. The crew guys roll into the arena in the morning, and the first ones start getting out at six, seven a.m. and going to work. And they work all day long, loading in, you know, tweaking the show, putting on the show, loading it out until midnight, one, two, three in the morning. Jump on a bus and drive to Dallas, five and a half hour drive. That's all the sleep you're going to get tonight. Yeah. And if your driver's out there, you know, driving like a crazy guy, you know, in traffic and those it. kind of things, you're not going to get your sleep. No, no. Can't be done. Have there no, been any, be have you, in your career, these 40 years, have, have there been some surreal moments like maybe you've listened to the birth of a, a hit song or you hear a lick that later becomes part of some hit song, but you kind of remember where it came from? You know, um, I have <laughs> really I've seen, uh, I've seen, uh, you know, I, I've been lucky enough uh, to be in the presence of several people as, as they've, uh, been in the moment and writing something. And, and it's, uh, to see a creative person mind working is, I mean, it just makes me, uh, happy to be working for them, you know, to see what, what they're doing and then what they create generally brings joy to someone. So, uh, uh, but yes, I have been in the presence of several, uh, uh, watching, uh, when several songs were written, uh, I've been in and out of studios, uh, in my time and, uh, saw how records used to be made. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, then before um, auto tune, probably. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And, uh, and garage band, I guess. But, uh, uh, so yes, I have been around some creative people and, and it's been, uh, on the movie set, I've been on a couple of movie sets, and that uh, is also an interesting uh, mm-hmm. creative talent. And then video, sh- uh, you know, I've been on numerous video shoots back in the, especially in the 80s and early 90s. Every band, for every word they sang, they had to seem like they had to have a video for it. Well, MTV played videos back then, so you had to make them. <laughs> we were the, uh, we were, everybody wanted to be on MTV back in the day, so. Oh, Yeah. When you're not driving, what is the downtime or what are you doing outside of that? Well, um, you know, I just relax. I like staying home. Um, I tried, uh, before my children were grown, of course, I tried to spend as much quality time as I could with them, uh, because, uh, there's a, so much time apart from them. Mm-hmm. Uh, now that the children are grown, uh, I'm spending my days, uh, just, enjoying my days off and, and, uh, planning the next, uh, adventure and, uh, doing things like golfing and walking on the beach. I live in Florida now, so. Hey, uh, you can't beat that. Uh, um, the kids are grown and, uh, you know, all the duties were, were done in Arkansas. So, uh, I just wanted to be a little place, someplace a little warmer. <laughs> so during these shows, when you're not driving, do you have mm-hmm. some job duties you have to tend to other than just the driving part? Yes. Uh, you know, it's your responsibility to keep the equipment going. And mm-hmm. so if something is wrong, if, if a light bulb is out or if a gasket is leaking, uh, it's your, you know, as the operator, the driver, mm-hmm. uh, and generally you, uh, you're, a, most drivers are assigned to one bus 
and uh, for you know for a year at a time, and so it's their responsibility to help the company keep that vehicle going. Most entertainment drivers, uh, on average, if you're a lease driver, March, April, you you go to work, you yeah. get out on the road, and you pretty much stay on the road until. October, November, many, I had, uh, I had a couple of friends uh, that I was talking to the other day who dropped their, uh, their passengers on Christmas Eve Mm. and, and made it home. So, and then once you get home for the Christmas break, uh, there's generally some downtime again until you get up to, you know, like I said, March, April, and generally the season, uh, the touring season starts to crank off. There are shows that go on in the winter. There just aren't as many. Some of these people you have uh, driven and worked with, Barbara Mandrell, what is she like? Well, uh, you know, that was a long, long time ago. Uh, I actually started working uh, with the production company there in Little Rock, and they themselves had a uh, uh, the contracts to do the production for Barbara Mandrell. So, uh, traveling with her group and, and our little rock group of, of, uh, production people, uh, it was to, it was one of the most wonderful experiences I ever experienced. She's a wonderful human being. Uh, when we would travel and we had days off out, out, uh, when we were out of town, you know, we would do things like go to the park and she would cook with us and, and just, you know, it's family. A lot of these tours come together and, you know, you move into a, a 350 square foot area with nine, 10, 11 other people, you get to know them pretty well. Yeah. And uh, you live with them, you work with them every day, uh, travel with them in and out of hotels, uh, sometimes for months on end, and everyone becomes a family. And uh, Barbara Mandrell was, uh, had a beautiful family at, uh, back in the day. That's awesome. One of my all-time favorite groups is Aerosmith, and you've worked with these guys. T- tell us about the boys of Aerosmith. You know, they, they're one of my favorite groups of all time. I oh, mean, yeah. Uh, I, t- I turned uh, a lot of miles with them, lucky enough. Uh, I think 1993 was the first uh, tour that I had done with them, and I think that was the – I think that was the Eat the Rich tour or something yep, like that. That's right. Um, after Pump. I think the first one after, after Pump. Pump. Yeah. And, uh, you know, on the first uh, go, couple of go-rounds, I was a crew driver. And then uh, I stepped over to uh, Brad Whitford, who is the second guitarist in the band. Yep. Uh, he uh, he took on a bus, and uh, I was like – knew Brad had had nice association with Brad. So when he got uh, decided to do his own coach, I uh, was lucky enough to get in the seat and we traveled uh, around America for several years off and on, uh, had a great time. Brad, uh, Brad's a wonderful, wonderful man. Uh, and the whole tour, uh, the whole team, Aerosmith team in those days were, uh, you know, it, it was wonderful. It was wonderful traveling with them. And then of course I had, uh, you know, I, Aerosmith was uh, was was a, one of my favorite bands even long oh. before I ever got into the business. Yeah, and so the moment, uh, the first uh, moments of working with them, you know, I was pretty awestruck. Uh, once I got to know them, I still am, <laughs> you know. But oh, they're it, great! It, it, it took on a different uh, level of being awestruck with them by working with them and and uh, seeing how their camp did think each each band that's going out on the road you know i call that uh you know it's the aerosmith camp it's the u2 camp sure it's, 
And uh, each camp has its own unique flavor. And uh, once you're in a camp and you start to grow with them as the as the company grows, so to speak, I look at also look at all of these groups as individual corporations and, and companies, just like, uh, you know, a factory in Little Rock there where you've got very five, six, seven different departments. You got this department, that department, same thing's going on in the touring world. You've got the lighting department, sure. you've got the sound department, you've got this production department, transportation department, so on and so forth. So once these groups are, once you work with one for a while and you do, do good work, it, you, you get in and, and it's family and, and, uh, you know, even if we bicker amongst ourselves, you def- you definitely don't want to be an outsider and come between. Us. So, <laughs> so did you meet the guy that ties the rags on the microphone stand? I mean, you know, you got to have that guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Steven Tyler, uh, nice guy. I'm sure. You know, uh, I would say yes. Um, He's a good guy. He's de- definitely dedicated to the, you know, the 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 greatness of Aerosmith, the the pureness of the band and the mm-hmm. sound and and what he's putting forth. And uh, yes, I I admire them. I admire Stephen quite a bit. So. Is it just forbidden for you to ask these guys to sign something? You know, it's not forbidden, but I. Uh, other than maybe something for myself for a reminder of the tour, which believe me, I have stacks of, you know, of uh, paraphernalia from the years, but uh, I get requests, uh, not just myself, but anyone that works on a tour, you you get folks coming up to you all the time going, can you get so-and-so to sign this for me? You know, and and, uh, in the, in the first few years, you know, I wanted, uh, with all my heart to make, you know, to help people smile and enjoy it, but it, it became overwhelming. And mm-hmm. so you, you, you get to a point to where, you know what, I'm just not going to do that anymore. And so, uh, yeah. Uh, to, uh, try and be respectful of the, of the job. How did you fall into working with Eddie Murphy? Man, that was a, um, I was at the right, I'd like to say I was at the right place at the right time. Uh, it was a uh, bus company that had the contract and I was operating uh, coaches for that company. And uh, just out of the blue, they caught one of their other drivers had uh, had an issue for of something. I don't know if he got sick or what, but uh, for, or perhaps family issues at home. But uh, they called me in the office and said, you know, asked me if I wanted to take the seat. And uh, of course, I was. Uh, you know, <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> you bet. Is this back when he's then, doing uh, concert, like comedy tours or something? Uh, we were on the raw tour. Oh yeah. Yeah. The that red leather outfit, tour. I think. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, so we, uh, we went out, I got assigned to a coach and, uh, we all traveled to, uh, St. Louis where the tour started. And then, uh, we ended up, you know, doing, uh, I think the entire tour lasted for f- maybe four to six months through the year. Wow. And um, we got to a point to where we were going up to Eddie's house up on, uh, we called it Bubble Hill up in uh, Fort Lee, uh, uh, just outside of the uh, George Washington Bridge there out of New York City. Mm-hmm. And uh, we would go to his house and pick him up and, and some of his uh, entourage and then uh, – I actually myself was driving Charlie Murphy and Vernon, Eddie's brothers. Yes. And uh, Eddie rode with a good friend of mine named Joe Mooney. And uh, uh, but, you know, wherever one bus was, the other bus always was. 
And so, like I said, we would go to his house, pick him up. We'd go out and do some shows and then we'd take him back to the house. We had some meals up at his home and that's awesome. uh, Mike Tyson traveled with us during those days. And that was (laughs) during the time when Mike was on his way up. And so uh, it was incredible to meet him. And uh, he even rode in my bus a couple of nights and sat over in the jump seat and, uh, you know, it's just those kind of moments that you uh, that you really grasp. And then when it's over, you, you're like, wow, did that really I know, happen? Now I know. Now I know why this guy is such a powerhouse, because, you know, if you spend a moment with him, you, you can spend a moment with an entertainer and you can come to I believe you can come to realize I know why this guy is real or I know why this guy is not real. These guys ever give you any cool Christmas gifts or anything like that? Oh sure, man. I've gotten a, I've gotten some nice tips at the end of, of uh, the thing, and uh, Eddie was very generous with a nice tour jacket and, and uh, finances and stuff. And uh, but um, you know, a lot of times we go to work, we work our butts off together, and then when the tour's over, we don't talk too much. You yeah. know, a lot of times, if you have a group of fifty people, for instance, and that's a small tour, if you had fifty people on a small arena tour, when that tour is over, those fifty people go in fifty different directions. Yeah. And they join other teams, they join other families, and they start all over again. Uh, some of us, some of uh, the folks, are lucky enough to stay uh, on the team. But generally, those are folks that are in the immediate management, their instrument techs, things like that. Sound guys, lighting guys, uh, transportation guys, they all move on. We generally move on to the next tour. You realize, uh, Jerry, you've become like as close you could as you could be to be like a Memphis Mafia guy, <laughs> you know, in modern day times. You know, well, I'd be an honor to join that team, but I tell you, they're pretty, they're pretty awesome. Why heck you moved Barney around. (laughs) That's right. You know, you know, it's been so great talking to you. And if somebody wanted to get into this business, some kid wanted to drive rock and roll people around, what does he do? Well, I would think uh, the first thing I would tell you to do is to go get a, uh, go to a truck. If you have no experience in driving, then to go to a truck driving school. Mm-hmm. and learn the basics of driving you have to know directions because if you get lost nobody wants you around if you can't find your way yeah. uh, you know i think you need to get I, i've told more than one person go to the truck driving school drive for a uh a company that operates nationwide in canada uh, for six months to a year and then come see me and i'll help you you know work your way uh, I'll, I'll give you some folks to to contact but uh you need to learn to drive uh, large equipment, and then once you, uh, and then try to step into the business. That's right. That's right. Hey, thank you so much, Jerry Fitzpatrick. Go get his book on Amazon: Tales from the Trails of a Rock and Roll Bus Driver. I'm Scott Romine. We'll see you next week on Guatney Unplugged. <laughs> <laughs>